0: Living Ahimsa means you're naturally attuned to the world around you and making conscious, intentional choices about the way in which you move through it. It's health-promoting and soothing to build purpose, connection, and help us remain in that state of santosh or contentment. Can we meet and love and serve all as our own highest self? Not only reducing harm by the actions we take or don't take, but promoting a more peaceful world with truth, with kindness, and equality as the values on which we outstretch our hearts with. Ahimsa is all about peaceful reconciliation, friends. Welcome to a Curious Yogi podcast. I'm your host, Bobby, and these are my conversations with sadhaks, satsangis, and other spiritual seekers. Join us as we discuss and discover what it means to live a spiritual life and walk the yogi's path. Each week, you'll gain insights into your own practice as we share the stories and wisdom of those that walk the path with us. I'm so delighted you're here. Now let's get curious. Alright, alright, alright. Welcome back to the show, Curious Yogis. Once again, my name's Bobby, and I'm so delighted that you're here. Episode 23, which feels wild when I look back to the past episodes, but I'm so glad you're here and I just really want to thank all of you that have been listening and leaving reviews. So please, if you haven't done so yet, I invite you to do so. Today in this solo episode, we're going to talk about knowing peace through Ahimsa. I'll wrap on my shared experience, my lived experience of embracing a life that is moving towards a hemsic. Of course, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But in the living practice in my own life, how sobriety, veganism, conscious consumerism, and service all contribute to a life that is non-harming, non-violent. So you want... So let's get into it because I'm sure I'm going to have a lot to say. So stay with me. Let's do this. Let's dig into Ahimsa. So you want to live in peace. Oh my gosh, we all want to live in peace. The first golden principle of the Yamas and the Niyamas in the Patanjali Yoga Sutras is ahimsa, non-harming. It's also one of the fundamental principles in Buddhism, non-harming, non-violence. And it goes so much deeper than the obvious. Of course, if we're living a yogic, more sattvic life, we're not going to be going around exploding in anger and you know beating up our yoga teacher or something like that. But I really want us to move through this conversation and really begin to look deeply within and look at the nuanced or maybe less obvious ways in which harming or violence can show up in our thought patterns in the way that we move through the world and you know there's a lot of ways that we are not being in service to the world that are not obvious so it's not only an art but a principle which permeates all action and also inaction the absence of action in the yogi's life, especially the karm yogi, as most of us are. The karm yogi is the yogi in action. It's the yogi that goes to work every day. It's the yogi that has to take care of her family. It's the yogi that has to take the busy subway to to school. It's, it's the yogi in action. So It affects us all for sure. We live in a world which is so extractive and dualistic and even greedy by design and I can only speak from personal experience of beginning to understand through contemplation and practice that ahimsa cannot be compartmentalized. Living a conscious life cannot only be a valid principle sometimes in some circumstances. To really be on this path we must contemplate and inquire as to our impact with each and every choice we make. It's a work. That's why we're here. That's why we're listening to this podcast because we work on this together. We inspire each other. We lead by example. So how can we live successfully and contently in this world that is actually pretty violent? You know, there's wars everywhere, there's inequalities everywhere, there's suffering everywhere. So how can we live in this world and in this reality, in this prakriti, this the whole natural world around us, while knowing and living and existing in nonviolence? So the four points I touch on where we can all observe our contribution or lessening of violence and harming in our lives are consumption, sobriety, veganism, and service. We're going to start in the external and work our way into the subtle because sometimes that's the most accessible doorway. To immediately look deep inside the functioning of our mind is like a lot. Even though I'll preface this by stating the obvious, peace and contentment and the realization of Ahimsa first comes from existing totally established in the source of ourselves. Whatever language you choose to use, God, I myself am reconciling the word God, the language of God, or higher power, universal consciousness, Brahm, Paramatma, the source, the self. There's so many languages, so, many, so much vocabulary for that higher energy, an energy, the essence, the source of all, all permeating love in your heart. Whatever language you use, it's being established in that energy, in that place of peace, which results in peaceful thought, peaceful speech, peaceful action. It all comes from that place. So let's really begin also by being realistic and know that violence is going to happen. Like, look at the Bhagavad Gita. It's such a timeless demonstration of the complete battling nature of our mind and ego on a personal level, on a familial level, on an, and in a, a societal level. So violence is inevitable. And internally, anger and strong emotions expressed healthily is the brilliance of the body and the ego which keep us alive. And remember, being rooted in Ahimsa means knowing all manifests from this, that same source. God, higher power, universal love, etc., including the suffering, the violence, and the pain, which is in the realm of Prakriti, like I just mentioned, or the external world. But it's how we deal with it, how we watch it go by, and how we know when to act, because not acting or not speaking itself can also be an act of harming. Just really think about that. I think that there's a Buddhist saying um, like only speak if it's if you can move through these three doorways. If it's true, if what you're about to say or the thought that you have is true, is it kind and is it necessary? And if it doesn't move through all of those guardrails, then we don't speak. This is a himsa in language and the more we're aware of of our thoughts the more spaciousness we build through our yoga and meditation practices the more we can become aware of those thoughts which are not rooted in the unconditional love of the universe and we can choose to reroute or pay attention to certain thoughts and not other thoughts so this is also a hymza practice in a deeply internal level so these three doorways and this um Way of thinking and way of observing our th- observing our thoughts can also continue not only to weigh the way that we think and speak, but also into the, the way that we buy, which leads me to our first lived principle. Have you ever heard the saying that we vote with our dollars? This is huge for me. As someone who has seen the dire spaces of a sweatshop, seen firsthand children in the midst of a rescue from a child sweatshop and hearing the survivors of a ch- of child labor speak passionately about the pain suffered from working for brands like H&M or Walmart. What kind of world do you want to live in? Every time you offer someone the time in your life that you spent to earn that dollar you give, you're making a contribution to the world that we're collectively creating. I just want to go back to that. It's not about the money that you give. Money is a renewable energy source, but it's the time that you spent To get that money. So, really, you know, our time is our most non renewable energy source. So, how we spend our time to earn that money, where we put that money is so important. So, if capitalism, consumerism, and a planet on fire is what you're after, which I'm sure it's not because you're listening to this podcast and you're on the yogi's path, then supporting companies like Amazon, Walmart, H&M and their, their cohorts really isn't going to be aligned with our values, our principles of living Ahimsa. Our alternative to that is to be really thoughtful about how we spend our money. Research the companies you support. Who gets the bulk of your dollar? Is it the CEOs? Is it the Jeff Bezos? Or is it Collectively shared between the company is there caps on salaries for executives, things like that, and and more so you can res- we can research what are the values of companies, how do they vet their manufacturers, how do they reduce their carbon footprint. Looking for labels like B Corp and Fairtrade are really helpful parameters to begin to look at companies that we support. What materials are being used? Can I support small local businesses? Asking ourselves if we can buy items secondhand to reduce waste and save money Being a conscious consumer is a really beautiful way to manifest ahimsa right now in this marketing capitalist mad world that we live in. Like, it might not appear to be harmful when we get that dopamine high from the click checkout and hello, speaking from experience, but I invite you to ask yourself, Who might have suffered from this purchase and what is the impact on people, on the planet, on myself? Shopping consciously doesn't have to be difficult, but it takes time. And it's not so obvious that shopping and consuming in a certain way contributes to harm in the in people in the environment because a lot of it we cannot see we live in a globalized society so so much suffering and pain that goes into commercial goods we often don't see so this is more of an invitation just to really think about where our money goes so Don't get down on yourself if you still need to quickly buy something on Amazon. That's not what it's about. Practicing Ahimsa also means practicing compassion and kindness and, you know, knowing that we can't be perfect, but it is a beautiful time to investigate and look at our shopping choices. The next lived practice of Ahimsa integrated into life is veganism. For me, this is a huge way to non-harm and not contribute to the suffering of animals and folks working and involved in animal agriculture as well as the planet and maintaining love and respect for my body as a temple which deserves to be nourished with violence-free energy. If you wouldn't harm your dog or your horse or your cat, then why do you harm a pig, a cow or a chicken? All life is sourced from that same source, that universal love. I'm going with the love today. The way animals are treated in our industrial complex is absolutely inhumane. Killing an animal or contributing to their suffering with dairy or eggs for taste buds is an act of violence. Becoming vegetarian was something I never even considered until going into an ashram setting. Like I'm not even kidding you. I grew up in a second, third generation cattle ranching family. I was really raised uh, and conditioned to learn the idea that animals, um, which are consumed for meat, are, are lesser than other animals, lesser than the than my own value of life and really had little value which only boiled down to the dollar which could be exploited per pound and I'm speaking mostly of cattle and cows but that mindset which is violent just in principle it really became embedded in me and I never thought that I would be someone who loved being a vegan but it's been one of the best choices in my life. And when I said earlier that Ahimsa can't be compartmentalized, once we begin to realize the impact of our choices as simple as making a purchase or picking up our fork as one that has potential to inflict harm or one that has potential to reduce suffering, it really just trickles out in this most beautiful way to all aspects of living. So the change that I experienced when I stopped eating meat was like super obvious on a physical level. Uh, I felt more energy, I had improved digestion, my skin was clearer, my hair was healthier, but like it wasn't as apparent on an energetic level. And um, at first I began vegetarian and then slowly after a couple years I really began to learn and research and understand the pain and suffering of all animals exploited for human consumption or enjoyment. So the more that I realized this and the more that I contemplated and sat with the ahimsic principle of non-violence, I realized, okay, I've, if I'm going to be vegetarian, I've got to just go all the way and become vegan. So, I went vegan. It's been some six years, more than six years, almost seven years. And albeit like when I started I was a self-proclaimed dirty vegan. So you know it took time. It was a transition, which I think is also a part of living Ahimsa that we can be compassionate and patient with ourselves as we start to integrate these ways, new ways of living, which can be so far removed from the world that we know. For me, being vegan it was the most obscure diet ever and here I am I'm still vegan and like I experienced this as well with my family but there's so many strong emotions around the way that we eat the traditions the ritual the shared meals with happy memories so going vegan was not easy and it's still not easy but it feels right in my heart and knowing that makes it okay to navigate the challenges of being vegan which sometimes means awkward situations with friends and family or like being hungry although I you know there's always something to eat but it takes a little more creativity. Something that has really helped give me the strength to make a stand for the world which I want to live in which is one that is free of suffering on all levels is Statistics like the fact that Slaughterhouse employees are more than made up of 70% of low socioeconomic immigrants who have reported feeling worthless after experiencing workplace PTSD and psychological trauma. So things like that really remind me that I don't need to judge or make anybody wrong, just like we practice the loving acceptance of everybody but by choosing not to participate in this way of eating and way of living is just my own step of action towards a more peace peaceful world so stopping consuming animal flesh was really a first step i made and not only harming others i had they harming animals but also in harming myself, I really started to consider what is the way that I want to treat my body. And it was not long down the road of veganism that I soon had to face my very much self-harming dependency on alcohol, drugs, sexual relationships, codependency, really addiction. And I've spoke about this before that addiction lives on the spectrum, but for me Clearing my body of drugs and alcohol really was the first step. Sobriety and the support of the yoga and the 12 steps has been instrumental in helping me to live in a place of clarity, respect, and love for myself and the connections I have or seek to have. So really doing hard work as a yoga practitioner and as a human being means treating ourselves with that utmost loving kindness. Putting poison into the body which is your vessel for your self-realization is a serious offense to your divine, divinely gifted self. Giving or taking energy around toxic relationships or patterns will never end in lasting contentment but it's hard and you might be thinking like wow like all the good stuff, all the fun shopping, all the delicious French bakeries and Sunday roasts, and now alcohol too, now drugs, now sex. Really, everything is about considering what is right for you. You are unique and special and different, and if moderation works for you, then that's perfect. It's about taking what works for you and really leaving the rest. And can we stay rooted in our principles and take action from there? So going back to the world that we live in, it's normalized to be codependent on substances, on people, on behaviors like shopping mindlessly and all those other things. Things that take us so far away from self that just by nature they become harmful to us. They're not set with promoting. They're not health promoting. They're not unifying, which is what we are doing on the yogi's path. The separation from self is a lonely state of heartbreak and isolation and I'm speaking it because I've known it. The confusion, the darkness that lives in that place of choosing and moving through the world without intention, without consciousness. So living the principles of yoga including ahimsa as a foundational tenant, honestly it's a real guidepost, to remembering wholeness and connectedness with that same source. To Just today, my teacher said that the source is like the spring which permeates the forest. The source is like the sun and the sunbeams which permeate the animals to make them move. So we really want to use ahimsa or observe Ahimsa as a way for us to feel that interconnectedness with all as the same source. It's the continual path of healing. When we're there, we we know we're never alone. It's the antidote to the separation of self. When we're established in the source of the self, we know we're never alone because we know it's all shining from that same source. And we can only know it when we're clear. So detoxify with your practices, my friend. Detoxify your life with your choices. And keep reminding yourself we're all interconnected. Your liberation is bound with my liberation. And if you're really earnest about this path to oneness, then it's important that we take care of ourselves and each other. My teacher always would say too at the end of satsang, saying, take care of each other, because he was always reminding us that we are connected. So your suffering is my suffering. And this leads me to my final point, which is Seva or Selfless Service. And Y12 SR, which is Yoga of the 12-step recovery, they say that we keep what we get by giving it away. And oh my gosh, do I love this principle. I'm going to say it again. We keep what we get by giving it away. To cultivate compassion and peace inside and then hoard it all for ourselves defeats the purpose, seva or being in selfless service. It's not doing service, it's not doing charity. It's being in selfless service means taking a good hard look at the world around you and being reasonable with where can I support, where can I share my love, where can I give my energy, where can I perhaps be of service. In this day and age, it's considered charity if you give money, which when there's a transactional element to charitable giving, it's not seva. Giving money charitably is wonderful and necessary in the world, like trust me, I know this, but for those on a spiritual path, seva and charity means something much different, much deeper. In the traditional sense, Seva is not advertised or shared even. In a modern sense, we could say it's random acts of kindness. The art of blessed action. It's a spiritual and purifying act. We are living in a very individualistic, egoistic, extraction-based culture, like I said before, so rather than being in the mindset of what more can I get for myself or for my family or my immediate community, rather we reframe the question to what more can I give, knowing when I give, that's when I truly receive. I was recently reading this book called The Indigenous Pathways of Healing. And it's shared there that in traditional indigenous communities, the one who had the least was considered the most wealthy. Because in a truly communal society where we take care of each other, your wealth is my wealth and your happiness and health is my happiness and health. But in this day and age, in this world we live in today, it's very unbalanced. So it's about giving equal energy to that of which we take. Can we give and serve without preference or bias in the same way that we take and consume? It's really a great point of reflection for a spiritual seeker. Observing our blind spots as yoga practitioners is really crucial to be able to better lead in our circles and in our communities and our families and just be generally more balanced, more in that sattvic nature and know that wholeness. We lead by example. So I really invite you to think about how incorporating ahimsa into your life can look. And it really means not forcing, not judging, and accepting and being at ease. So when your best friend shows you her new Fly Zara outfit, or when your co worker eats a hot dog in front of you, can we still, with equanimity, with inner peace and true love, look at that person, be with that person, and know that it's perfectly fine because i take action or not action for myself ahimsa is non-harming in all ways i love this is making me think of the 12 step serenity prayer god or love as it is in y Twelve Asar, love grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change aka what everybody else does The courage to change the things I can, a.k.a. my own action or inaction, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's where the serenity comes from. We just do our part, little by little, while loving and accepting each other for wherever we are on this path. When you turn your yoga practice into a yoga lifestyle, ahimsa can guide your daily interactions with yourself and others. Living ahimsa means you're naturally attuned to the world around you and making conscious, intentional choices about the way in which you move through it. It's health-promoting and soothing to build purpose, connection, and help us remain in that state of santosh or contentment? Can we meet and love and serve all as our own highest self? not only reducing harm by the actions we take or don't take, but promoting a more peaceful world with truth, with kindness, and equality as the values on which we outstretch our hearts with. Ahimsa is all about peaceful reconciliation, friends. And that wraps it up. Ahimsa in action. Four ways we can begin to be Ahimsa with the choices we make. We can make conscious decisions with the way we consume. We can make non-harming choices with the food that we eat, the substances, the relationships we choose to put inside our divine temples, which are our bodies. And finally, invite Ahimsa in action by being in service. We keep what we get by giving it away. So that wraps it up. I would love to hear from you curious listeners. If you've made it this far in my rambling, I'd love to hear how you live and practice Ahimsa, both on your yoga mat and off the mat. Did I miss something? What other ways do you practice? Where is there room for discussion? I would so love to hear from you. Please reach out. And once again, I just want to appreciate you and acknowledge you for being here on this path. It's an independent work, but we can't do it alone. That's another Great, brilliant one-liner from Yoga and the 12 Steps. It's an independent work, this sadhana, this path of yoga, but we can't do it alone. So I invite you to reach out, stay connected, and during this holiday time coming up where consumerism gets onto steroids and we're tempted with all those addictive tendencies and where it can be a lot about taking and buying and not being truly in service so during this time I really invite you to reflect on your own life and stay connected so I leave you with love with appreciation thanks for listening to this episode of a curious yogi podcast If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes. It really, really helps the show reach more people. Or share on social, and of course, follow on your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss an episode. I appreciate the love, and I appreciate you. Let's stay curious, connected, and keep walking the yogi's path together. In oneness and delight, this is Bobby signing off until next time.